kind of been on a faith series. We're on a faith journey, and we live by faith. We walk by faith. And so faith is important. It says over there in Hebrews, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So our faith is very important. The two men that were blind that came up to Jesus says, Can you heal us? Jesus says, do you believe I can heal you? And they said, yes. He says, be it done unto you according to your faith. And so many times, you know, we can see in the Gospels, there's about 17 different accounts of healing, excuse me. And so when you look at that, you might think there's a lot more than that that are recorded. But how many of you know the four Gospels repeat a lot of those same instances over and over again? So if you've read your Bible and you know the Gospels, you know that many of those healing instances are recounted again from different vantage points. The reason why we have four Gospels is just like climbing up four different sides of a mountain. You got the north side, you got the south side, you got the east side, you got the west side. You can all be climbing the same mountain, but you know what? Everybody's going to have a different viewpoint or vantage point. And so that is the way the the Gospels are presented to us. But you know, out of those 17 uh, instances of healing, 12 of them, the Bible clearly says it was their faith that got them healed. And so that tells me that Out of the 17, if 12 of them, it was the people's faith. Otherwise, it's the gifts of healing. Otherwise, it was just Jesus uh, showing the gifts of the Spirit and just showing mercy. But most of the time, God is going to expect us to use our faith. Can I get an amen? And so we've been talking about faith. We've been talking uh, how does faith come, and we've been talking about how how does faith work by the spirit of faith and the word of faith coming together. And then having the God kind of faith. We talked about the hindrances of faith, that the devil is against your faith, that your flesh is against your faith. And, and you know, uh, uh, the world, just living in this world, it's against your faith. It's, it's stumbling blocks. We've talked about how there's a relationship of faith, that we're to draw near in faith and full assurance, have a heart of full assurance and faith and drawing near to the Lord. Faith is a relationship with Jesus. Faith isn't just some head thing. We, we talked about how it can become religious, we talked about how, you know, there's head knowledge and heart faith. And we don't want to get off like the Pharisees and just have a bunch of head knowledge. And, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, we don't just hear it so we can just learn it intellectually, but that we can live by it, that we can act on it, that we can be changed by it. And so we learned that head faith, excuse me, head religion and heart faith are very different, but we want to get into that realm of heart faith. It's great to have intellectual uh, prowess is great to learn a lot of things, but that's very limited. There's a whole nother dimension. There's a whole nother realm. If you're only intellectual, you're only about uh, two-thirds of the way there. And so you got, you got to go on to the third part of your being, your spirit. You know, your body is just senses. Your, your mind has some understanding. But wisdom and true understanding, you're going to have to tap into your spirit where the Holy Spirit lives and teaches you the word, and it's a powerful thing. So today... We want to talk about having faith uh, that's sustainable or sustainable faith. You know, sustainable is a big word now. We always talk about the sustainability of our ecosystem, the sustainability of our economy, the sustainability of a, of a structure that you might build. How long, how many years is that going to last? Is it sustainable through a hurricane? And, and how is it built? And what's the structure and the integrity of that structure? And sustainability really means will it last? Will it endure? Will it still keep on going? Will it take a licking and keep on ticking like Timex watches? And so I guess I really dated myself on that. Most of you looked at me like, what is that? What are you talking about? 
Well, if, you, if, you're my, if you're almost 60 years old, you know what that, that's an old advertisement. Take a look in and keep on ticking. They used to put these Timex watches on the front of motorboats and run them through the water. They, I mean, they did all kinds of tests, and, and they just kept on ticking. And they took a licking. And that's the way it's going to have to be for you as a Christian. You're going to have to take a licking sometime, and you're just going to have to keep on ticking and not give up. There's just something about that, that faith is a very powerful thing, but it can run out of gas. Faith can give up, give out, and give in. And you, you, you've, you've got to understand that there is, a motor, there is a secondary motorizing of your faith. There's something that keeps your faith going. There's got to be, you know, faith is great. Faith comes, but, you know, faith also has to be kept. It's one thing for faith to come, but you're going to have to learn how to keep your faith going. You're going to have to learn how it works and what brings great endurance. So let's turn and let's look at Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verses 10 through 15 is our key verse this morning. And how do we keep the switch of faith turned on? After faith has come, you got to, you know, it's one thing uh, to get something started, but you're going to have to put some gas in the motor to keep it going. Somebody say amen. And so it's, it's one thing to get it started, but it's another thing to keep uh, a sustainable, ongoing faith uh, before God. Hebrews 6, 10 through 15, I'm going to read. It says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. In other words, God is watching. God hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten the work that you put in. He hasn't forgotten that you get up early and come to church, that you drive. He hasn't forgotten that in difficulties you still show up. He hasn't forgotten that you tithe when you don't have the money. He hasn't forgotten that you have witnessed to your neighbor. He hasn't forgotten that you worked in the nursery and did some ministry helps. He doesn't forget those things. Those are all recorded in heaven. Never to be done away. An eternal record. So he doesn't forget that. that that's, we, we can, we'll forget it, but he'll never forget it. It's, a, it's the worthy investment of our time, our talent, and our treasure. And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence. Everybody say diligence. To the full assurance of hope unto the end. You can start any race. You can start any marathon. But that doesn't mean that you're going to finish it. And what we need to realize is it's not those who start the race that count. The only ones that matter are the ones who finish the race. Amen. They're the only ones that matter. And not everybody does finish the race. The Bible says so. And that's a sad thing. And dare not it be any of us this morning. And look at what it says. And it says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith, and there's a really important word right there, and. Faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith alone is not good enough. Faith alone will not always inherit the promise. Faith alone has to have an ability to stand through difficult times. Faith has to go on and on. Faith has to stand, and having done all to stand, continue to stand. Faith has to not grow weary in well-doing, but in due season, reaping when we faint not. Faith has to know this, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wow. So let's keep on reading. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he, that he had patiently endured, 
Everybody say patiently endured. After he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Of course, we know what the promise is, Abraham. Isaac was the promise, that he would be the father of many nations. And that first, and that first component of that was Isaac. It took 25 years. They got out of faith for a while. They went and had an Ishmael. He, they got out of order for a while. You know, when you wait, sometimes you get desperate and you do stupid things. They got desperate, and Sarah says, well, let, let's just get, let's get this servant, Hag, you know, Hagar. Let's get her over here. Let, 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 let's have a baby. You, you just join up with her and have a baby, and it, it'll be mine. And, and how many of you know none of that was faith? How many of that was disobedience and unbelief at work? Because there wasn't enough patience in Sarah to stand and wait and stand the test. And then there wasn't enough patience in Abraham. And that impatience became infectious. And then he also got impatient. And before he knew it, they had an Ishmael. And you know what? Not only did they have an Ishmael, but now we've all got an Ishmael. It's called ISIS. It's called Hezbollah. It's called the Muslim conflict. It's called terrorism. That's the modern-day version of Ishmael. Don't think it a small thing when somebody doesn't walk out their plan in faith. Somebody say amen. It has long and far-reaching consequences that will affect you and your children and many other innocent bystanders for many generations if you don't stay in that place of enduring long unto the end. The Bible says, they that endure to the end shall be saved. It says the iniquity will increase, the love of many will grow cold, and many hearts will be turned away, basically is what it's saying. But they that endure to the end, it's like a marathon, they that endure to the end shall be saved. You know, I don't care what it is you want to apply it to. General salvation, you're going to have to endure to the end, the Bible says, to be saved. Whether Maybe it's just a vision in your life. Maybe uh, there's something God has called and, and there's a vision and, and he's calling you to this, uh, to this vision to do certain things like, for instance, even in Habakkuk, vision, wait, waiting for the, the facilities to get finished and, and for things to move and to happen. Sometimes we have to wait. Listen to what it says. It says, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. In other words, it won't tarry forever. Wow. It says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And that means, though it tarries, you're going to have to wait for it. So whether it be, you know, in life in general, they that endure to the end shall be saved. Maybe it's just a vision for your life. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's some things that you've been believing for. Maybe it's a financial uh, goal that you want to arrive at. Maybe it's something like that, a vision and, and a plan that you have. You're going to have to wait. And it says, and you will, Terry, wait for it because it will surely come. There's a lot of waiting in the Christian life. How many of you have figured that out by now? Amen. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I said, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And sometimes you get weak and weary. Don't go weary in well-doing. For in due season, appointed time, chronos moment. It's called a lot of things in the Greek. It's a chronos moment. It's a, it's a specific time that God has ordained for these things to come to pass. And we get really tired waiting for it. 
And that, you know, and I don't care if it's salvation. I, I don't care if it's a, it's a, a big vision that God has called, something major that maybe a lot of people have to do together, uh, like at church or, or things like that. But even in your personal promises towards you, turn just go ahead and turn there, Hebrews 10 and 35 and 36, we're going to have to have this thing called patience because things don't just happen uh, just automatically. They don't just happen overnight. Many times it, it takes years. I know that the Lord showed me things 25 years ago that are happening now. The Lord showed me things when I first got saved that took 10, 20 years to happen. Lots of things take anything that's big and major and a substantial uh, consequence is usually going to take some time. So let's look at this over there, Hebrews 10 and 35 and 36. Look what it says. Cast not therefore away your confidence. And confident faith is basically confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Don't throw it away. Don't go weary in well-doing. In due season, you'll reap. You'll, you'll get there. You will have it come to pass. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. I don't care if the promise is healing. You know, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of life, to whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And by, your, by his stripes, the Bible says we are healed. And the Bible talks about how uh, through his uh, suffering, we, we are prospered and blessed. It says all these things that we are already uh, been made, the accepted into the beloved. And all these promises of God that are yes and amen, uh, they're all there. But sometimes we have to lay hold of it, and it takes a while for it to manifest in the natural realm and arena. And the way that you get there is by... Uh, Faith. You know, again, we talked about how Satan is an aborter of the word. He wants to abort the word. He wants to steal the word from your heart. He wants you uh, to get offended and abort the word out of your heart. He wants you to get all caught up by the cares of other things and the riches of this world. He, he wants to abort the word. He wants to wear you out and things that take a long time and for you just to give up and abort the word out of your heart, the promises of God. But if you're wise, you'll, still, you'll stand and you'll continue to meditate on those things. So, it's important that we understand whether it be salvation, whether it be vision at church, whether it be personal things that we're believing for, it's going to take patience and be imitators of those who by faith and patience inherit the promises. Patience gives endurance to, fi to finish the race and obtain the prize. Patience is the bridge to get from Egypt to the promised land. How many of you know it took 40 years? Amen. Joshua and Caleb had 40 years in the wilderness before they got to the promised land. Wow, that's a long time. You know, you, 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 know, you think 40 years, that, that's, that's half the average person's life. And I believe this, that faith doesn't do any good if it gives up and runs out of gas. Then it was all for nothing. If our faith journey runs out of gas, then we might as well have never been in faith. And so we need to not draw back. And let's, let's keep on reading here. Now the just shall live by faith. This is verse 38 in Hebrews 10. Same, just down two verses from what I just read. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, everybody say draw back. You know, it's not good to draw back. It's not good to draw back. I'm not an eternal security guy. I, I, I believe that uh, it takes a choice. You, you can have a choice to get into this, and you can have a choice to get out of this thing. It takes a choice to get married, and it takes a choice to get divorced. And God does allow us free will. And Adam and Eve were walking with God, and they chose to not walk with God at one point. And so I, I believe that... Now, I believe that our salvation is, is totally secure on God's side. 
But I don't think God forces anybody who decides they don't want to be with him to go and spend eternity with him. Can I get an amen? It says in the last days, many will, uh, it says the last days, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Many will depart from the faith. Is that what it says, Pastor? That's what it says. So many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It says, hard not your heart, lest you depart from the living God in Hebrews 3. Now, I don't like to talk about these things. Hebrews 6.6 6 says, it's impossible to renew again to repentance those who once knew the Lord, who were uh, new and tasted of the heavenly gifts and of the power of the world to come. It's impossible to renew them if they turn away and walk away from God. Peter, it talks about like the pig that returns to its vomit. I mean, to its pigsty and the dog that returns to its vomit. There, there, there is a dark side of free will that we don't like to talk about. And, you know, it takes endurance, and we've got to stand. And, you know, uh, I've seen people, they say, oh, one saved, all saved, and they go live like the devil the rest of their life. They have no witness. They have no fruit whatsoever. And, and, they, and they want to try to tell me that they're really saved. The Bible says, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. It says in, over in Titus 1.16, it says, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient, and every good work, reprobate. Reprobate means they have no more judgment anymore. They have no more conscience anymore. They are used to living in sin. They have hardened their heart. They've turned away, and they don't even realize it. It talks about those who are twice dead and plucked up over in Jude. Twice dead. In other words, you're, you're a child, and you're under uh, that age until you come to the age of accountability. Paul said, I was a child once, and I knew the law, and I sinned, and I died. Well, we know he didn't die physically, because he was talking about when he was a child, but he died spiritually. And then he got born again and came back to life again spiritually. Dead twice means that you die spiritually when the law comes as a child and the accountability of God comes into your life and you die spiritually because you knowingly sin against God. And then you can get born again and you can receive new life. But then there are those who are twice dead and plucked up by the root, the Bible says over in Jude. So we don't want to focus on that, but we know that we've got to continue to walk with God. We've got to continue to endure and not draw back. And many, uh, you know, will not endure, the Bible says. They'll not endure sound doctrine, but they'll be turned unto fables, it says, over in 2 Timothy verses four, uh, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, many will not endure sound doctrine, but they'll heap up teachers after their own lusts. In other words, they'll only listen to somebody that agrees with what they want to think. And it says, then they will even be turned unto fables. They'll be turned away from sound doctrine and turned unto fables. In other words, they'll start following more and more foolishness and more foolishness until it's absurd. I've seen some pretty absurd things out in the body of Christ today. And so we, we've got we to endure to the end. We've got to stay the, the course with sound doctrine. We've gotta, how many of you know that sound doctrine has to be endured? Is it that bad, Pastor Bill? <laughs> Is strong, sound doctrine... Something, you know, you'd think it would say that, uh, you know, they, they did not enjoy sound doctrine. You know, uh, we think that we just enjoy sound. No, sometimes we've got to endure sound doctrine because it goes cross grain with our flesh. Somebody say amen. Amen. It will go cross grain with our flesh. Sound doctrine will. Fad doctrines, winds of doctrines, false doctrines, hipster doctrines, you know, Things that feel good, heap up teacher doctrines, fable doctrines, will destroy you eternally. Sound doctrine produces sound Christians. 
Sound doctrine produces sound people with sound minds. For I've not given you a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. Sound minds feed on sound doctrines. And it has to be endured, the Bible says. Some people, they don't want to endure sound doctrine. They only want to go where there's fun doctrine and play doctrine and happy meals. Somebody say, man, how many of you know happy meals really aren't that good for you? Just go to McDonald's, the guy that ate there every day and died after about a month. So anyway... We have to endure. Many will not endure the sound doctrine, the Bible says. The love of many will grow cold. And it says, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. It says, let no man deceive you in Thessalonians, except there be a great falling away or an apostasy, as it says in the Greek, except that man of perdition be revealed. And so there, there are going to be people that aren't going to make it. And when you're running the race, you're running the marathon, and you'll, you'll see them all of a sudden, they'll be sitting off at the sidelines. And their feet, their feet will be bleeding, and, and, and they'll be coughing, and, and they'll be throwing up, and, and, they're, and they're on the sidelines, and, and they never make it to the finish line because they didn't endure. They didn't understand that pain was a friend in preparing for this. See, we always see pain as an enemy. How many of you know there's good pain and bad pain? You know, in bodybuilding or in sports or in horse racing, or, it, it, there's always two different categories of pain. Pain that's a friend or pain that's an enemy? Pain that's an enemy means like if you, break your, if you break your leg and you can't run, you can't jog anymore, that's an enemy. And that's a failure of your strength. Now, good pain is a builder of your strength. Let me say it again. When a leg breaks, that's a failure. And when a ligament tears, a muscle is pulled, that's a failure of your strength. And that's bad pain when you fail. But the pain that comes at when you're jogging, how many ever been jogging and your sides hurt so bad that you don't feel like you can keep on going? You may ever have that? And, 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 and you're jogging and you go, oh, man, I, used to, I, I did some cross country for a little while. For a little while. <laughs> See, I followed the scriptures that bodily exercise is only good for a little while. So I only did it a little while and I quit. But no, I, I used to do some running and weightlifting, and I still go to the gym about three or four times a week, and, and I still put myself through the pain. No pain, no gain, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But we've got to recognize that there's a type of pain that is our friend. There's a type of pain that builds us. There's a type of pain that makes us more invincible. There's a type of pain that prepares us. We're going to talk about that. And that pain is when you're lifting weights, and the next day, oh, you're sore. That type of pain is when you're jogging and, oh, your sides hurt and your lungs are, are like burning. And, and, it, and it's, it's, how many of you know it's not fun, but it's still good for you? See, we need to endure to the end. Abraham, 25 years, he had to wait for Isaac. Wow. Josh and Caleb had to wait 40 years before they went to the promised land. And then we'll go to the, we'll, we'll go to the real heavy hitter. Noah had to build an ark and preach to a bunch of heathens that probably mocked him every day for a hundred years before he was delivered. And we think we have to wait a long time for things. You know what? We don't even know what it means to have long suffering and to be patient. We're a big bunch of babies in America for the most part. We've never really had it that hard. And so we've got to learn about this thing. And we must keep our faith alive. And we must pass it on down. We, we're talking about having sustainable faith today. Now, Timothy, we can see that Timothy's faith, it says in 2 Timothy 1 and 5, it says, I bring to remembrance the faith that was in your grandmother, Lois. 
and the faith that was passed down from her to your mother, Eunice, and the faith that is also in thee. How many of you want to have a sustainable generational type of faith that you pass down to your kids? And not stop there, but make it into your grandkids. So you don't just teach your children how to become Christians. You teach your children how to cause their children to become Christians. That's called sustainability. Because in the Bible, many times by the third generation, mom and dad got glorious saved. They came out of being, you know, uh, drunkards and whoremongers and, and wicked people. And they, they knew that he was forgiven of much, you know, uh, is thankful of much. They, they knew the grace and the power of God to transform their life from a very dark and wicked life to light and joy and, and the wonderful fruit of the Spirit. They understood this stuff, and, and then they taught their kids, but their kids just had to, had to take mom and dad's word for it, and they got saved when they were young. And they, they knew because they, they knew mom and dad used to do uh, bad things, and mom and dad went through this great uh, transition in their life, and, and mom and dad always trained them to be Christians, and they grew up, and they, they never knew what it was like to live a wicked and debauched life. They never knew what it was like uh, to be uh, controlled and, and demons all, all around them. They never knew what that, but they take mom and dad's word for it and, and they become Christians, but they're kind of Christians from somebody else's experience and, and hopefully they will gain some of their own experiences someday. But many times that generation then just kind of expects the next generation to get it. But they've never had firsthand experience in it. They've never gone from total darkness. They've always lived in a house where there's been light. They've always been in a house where everybody's Christian, everybody's expected to be Christian, everybody just somehow will be Christians. And in that third generation, many what, times what happens is they don't realize it, but they haven't really passed it on down. And they haven't really got it deep into their consciousness. But how many of you know we want to have a substantial faith? Can I get an amen? amen. And you know, it says over there in Psalms 145 that we declare the works from one generation to another. Amen. And then the thing that when we don't stay in faith and patience, we do stupid things. How many of you know Sarah talked Abraham into getting Hagar involved? How many of you know that was a stupid thing to do? How many of you know in Numbers, Moses got mad. He didn't have enough patience with the people, and he struck the rock, and then he didn't get to go into the promised land. How many of you know that was a stupid thing to do? How many of you know Achan, when they were supposed to go in, and that first battle of Jericho, they were supposed to take all the silver, all the gold, all the Babylonian garments, all the the valuable objects and bring it in to the temple and make it the first fruit. And they could hardly wait. Man, they've been out there for 40 years in that stupid wilderness. They could hardly wait to win that first battle and then to win these battles and take all the booty and become millionaires and have all that silver and all that gold and to be God's people and to have the promised land and to live in houses they did not build and vineyards they did not sow and eat the milk and the honey. And they could hardly wait. Man, they were tired of waiting. And they went in there and Achan went in and he stole the Babylonian garments and he stole the silver and the gold and the first one that was supposed to be a type of the tithe and, and first fruits and he took that and he hid it under his blanket and it caused the whole rest of the army to get beat and a bunch of people were dead and they came back and the leader Joshua was furious and said what happened I mean if somebody got out of patience and couldn't wait till the second battle to get the money couldn't wait for the gold and the silver from the second battle because the first battle was holy unto the Lord and all of it was supposed to be put into the temple treasury but Achan took some of it because he couldn't wait for the next battle. See, when we, get at, when we get out of patience, we do stupid things. So how do we build patience, Pastor Bill? Turn to James 1 quickly. We're going to go through several things. It's going to teach us how do we walk in patience. 
Brethren, it starts out saying, so this is to believers. We're going to begin James chapter 3, verse 2. For in many things we offend all. Oh, I'm in the wrong. Chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word temptation means tests and trials. Call it all joy, one translation says. Count it all joy in other translations. Another one says, consider it all joy. How many of you know it's the hardest thing in the world to consider it joy when you're going through the worst times? See, the only way you can do that is if you know something that the common folks and the average person just doesn't know. You know, if I said, we're, we're going we're gonna to put a, a needle under your fingernail for three hours. No way, no way. And at the end of the three hours, we're going to give you a check for a million bucks. Oh, come on, put the thing in. Let's go. See how that changes everything? See, when we understand what the pain produces, then we'll be able to have joy about it. See, how many of you know knowledge creates grace? And it says, my brethren, count on all joy when you fall in diverse temptations. Knowing this, key word right there, knowledge. It says over there in 2 Peter, it talks about how knowledge, let me just say it, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Knowledge creates grace and abilities. Wow. Now, I look at that and I think, Knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Well, I don't want patience, Pastor Bill. I, I, I mean, I, why, would, why would I want patience? Oh, let me tell you why you need patience. You need patience. Moses didn't have patience. He struck the rock. He got to, he got to die in the wilderness. Achan didn't have patience. And the whole, everybody stoned him, his wife, his kids, and all of his animals, and threw him in a dung heap. Sarah didn't have patience, and now we all get Ishmael as a result. Oh, you want patience. Because patience is going to keep your faith working. Oh, you, don't, you would not be happy out in the middle of the desert with a car. You need a car with gas in it. I said, you need a car with... A car is worth nothing. You drive in the middle of the desert and you run out of gas. Guess what? Your car is worth nothing. Your car is only good if it's got enough gas in it to get you to the destination. You have need of patience, the Bible says. Knowing this, you got to have knowledge about these things. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work or perfecting work. To be perfected means to be brought to completion. You know, we think perfect just means like this perfect person with perfect nose and a perfect, you know, IQ. And no, no, perfect means full maturity to completion. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect. How many of you want to be perfect? God wants you to be perfect in the, in, in the terms of being perfected or matured. Entire, that means completeness. It, 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 there's a repeating of itself right there. And wanting nothing. In other words, God wants you to arrive at a level of faith. And then you look at this and it says, and we can see that it's very clear that he's talking about faith because look what it says. Just drop down to verse 6 for the sake of time. Let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith nothing, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And let that man think not that he'll receive anything of the Lord. 
If you waver, you won't receive. You can't be in and out. In and out of faith is your fear one day, faith the other day, fear one day, faith the other day, fear one day, faith the other day. And you're not standing in faith. You've got to quit going over to faith and fear, faith and fear, and just kick fear out and stay in faith and be patient and stay in faith and then stay in faith and then stay some more in faith. And then it's going to come to pass. Because look what it says right after that. It says, let him ask, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let that man not think that he will receive anything. Lord. It's not that God won't give you anything. You won't receive it. It's like, can you imagine if you were told to go out for a pass in football, and you, you went over here and thought, well, you know, I'm going to change my mind. I don't think I'll go over here for the pass. Oh, I think I'm wavering. I don't want to go over here either. I'm, gonna, I'm wavering here. I know I'm wavering, but I'm going to go over here. Because, how many of you know the, the quarterback's going, well, well how are you going to receive anything? The quarterback knows how to throw it, but the knucklehead that's supposed to receive it won't make his mind up. Somebody say amen. So how's he going to throw him a pass? Wavering causes you to be an impossible pass receiver. Wavering says that don't let that man think that he will receive anything. doesn't say don't let him think God wants to give it to him. God wants to give it to him. He wants to pass him the ball and make the touchdown in life. But he won't make up his mind. You can't throw it to somebody who won't make up their mind. They're on this side of the field one minute, then they go over this side. Well, they're supposed to keep on going that way. How do you throw a pass to a guy like that? And it says... Like a wave of the sea, driven, tossed around. Let that man not think they'll receive anything. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Get in or get out or get out of the way. Don't be double-minded. You'll become unstable in all of your ways. Choose to be in faith. That takes patience. Because you know what gets you out of faith? You know what gets you to waver? Just what James was talking about a few verses before that, that you have need of patience. The trying of your faith work with patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect entire wanting nothing. You see, you need to be patient. Well, I'm over here. Throw me the pass. Quit looking at all those other guys. Hey, I'm waiting. Throw it over here. I, oh, I, I'm tempted to run over there where they are and so, you can throw, you know, so you'll see me and throw me the pass. No, no. Stay in your place. Stay there. He sees you. He, he's looking over there like he's going to throw the pass to get the defense off, and then he'll okay, go, boom, throw it to you. If you'll be patient and don't run over there and want to be seen with the other guys. See, you, you've, got, you've got to just stay in faith and not waver because you'll be double-minded. I found this to be true, that many, whether it's a wrestling match, basketball game, football game, many athletic matches are won only by endurance. My sister, who is an executive vice president for Allied, big shot in Des Moines, she said, I asked her, I said, how'd you, how'd you land that position anyway? She says, I just outlasted all the rest. She says, I wasn't better than them. I wasn't more qualified than them. I was less qualified. I just outlasted them. A lot of life is just outlasting everybody else. A lot of life is just outlasting all the attacks of the devil. I remember, you know, they, I, in every wrestling match, I, I could feel in that last quarter, I could feel I've got to make a decision right now whether I'm going to give up or 
keep going. How many of you ever been in athletics? And those, and everybody comes to that. It's the last part of the match. It's the last part of the game. And everybody's dead tired. And some will say, it's not worth it. And some will say, I can either give up or I can keep on going. And they say, I'm going to keep on going. And they're the ones that win. See, I believe this. Patience is what takes us over every time. But the only way you can train for patience is, you know how you run that marathon? You don't just show up that day and run the marathon. You practice running 5 miles, 10 miles, 15 miles, 20 miles, 26 miles. You, you, you got this gut-wrenching pain and sides are hurting and you're, you, you do that over a long period of time. And it's just like building your patience. You can patiently run that marathon if you have learned to overcome pain and then diminish pain and then to completely conquer pain because you're so developed. But see, pain is the way to getting there. Somebody say amen. Amen.